Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast, presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. Today, I'm joined with the lovely and immensely talented Andrea Patterson. How are you today, Andrea? I'm very good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm. you have no idea how excited I am because I've been incredibly excited to just speak to you every single time I just come across you because I saw your performance at Detroit Public Theater in the show Paradise Blue. Um, Paradise Blue, for those of you that don't know, is a wonderful play by Dominique Morisau. Please, please correct me because I know that you're you're very close with her. Is it Dominique Morisau or Morisau? Dom- Dominique Morisau. Thank you, thank you. Um, so yeah, you were you were just abs- the entire cast was absolutely phenomenal, and I truly enjoyed the work that every single one of you put into it, you know, it just, but just you was flawless. (laughs) Oh God. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. That was a, um, that was a a labor of love. Um, And I was really, really, really grateful to tell it at home in Detroit. So thank you so much. So why don't you describe to me your style of acting? Oh God, um, uh, I've never been asked that question. <laughs> my style. Well, I would have to say my style is informed by my my background, my life. I'm from Detroit, born and raised, and my style is connected to, I think, realism. Just very real, natural. I I see what I believe is that anytime. I'm on stage and I'm performing, I'm reflecting to the audience, whether it's television, film or stage, I'm reflecting, you know, reality back on itself. And so telling stories of real people is uh, just as, just as, I don't know, it's as real as a person who, who, who you know, a person who you don't know. And that I think that style is just, it's, it's human. It's humanistic. It's realistic. Yeah. I mean, that's me, that's me saying my style. Maybe someone else watching could give you a little bit more of an objective perspective, but it's how I feel from the inside looking Mm -hmm. out about my style. Wow. You know, that was really poetic. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. That's how my brain works. (laughs) Well, honestly, I think it's just the way that an artist works, because every time I ask this question, um, I get the same type of response where every single artist gives me a very poetic sounding description of what their style is. And I, and I just love hearing it because that's when you know that a person has a passion for it, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. When when they yeah, speak about absolutely. it with so much love, <laughs> it, it it comes out melodic, and that's how you know the love is there. So I just I love hearing people talking about what their style of their artistic profession is. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Because profession is one thing, but an artistic profession, that adds a whole different dynamic to you doing something to make money. But you, when your passion is the way that you make a living, it's a, it's a totally different thing. And so having to even subscribe to a style or even having a style is something that, you know, you just, you, you believe that it's going to translate and, and be able to sustain you because sometimes having a style could keep you from this job or that job. But, you know, in terms of artistic integrity, your style is hopefully connected to your identity and who you are. So you just have to stand in that and know that it, that is what it is. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so where do you think this love and passion of acting came from? Like who or what inspired you? Man, I think I really am just this really curious kid. And I always uh, watched family members and people around me just try and clunk through life. And (laughs) uh, I think human beings are so phenomenal. It's uh, very majestic, but also very animalistic and... It's just something about all that energy that comes from my people that gives me that passion to tell their stories. It's, it's, I think the medium of acting is the thing. It's, it's, it's the choice because that's how I can tell stories. That's how I feel I'm able to best tell the story of the people that I'm interested in the most. Wow. Who, so who are you interested in the most as far as, as far as your inspiration is concerned. This might sound even more poetic than that first question, but I am interested in Andrea the Mm -hmm. most. And when I come in contact with certain people or characters, sometimes it is just an undeniable connection. And I feel like I have to tell their story because it helps me to get to myself more. Um, And that's where I am right now in my life. I haven't always been that curious about myself, but I've noticed that the more curious I became about who I am, like really, who I really am, the more more inspired I actually was able to become. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I've always been a lover of Black women. I mean, it just, I come from the most passionate, fiery, beautiful, broken, but not broken, um, strong, backboned women. And those women gave me that backbone I have. And so in terms of inspiration, they are at the top of the charts. Mm -hmm. But I also am inspired by the complexities of of our men too. You know, um, the, the ways that they struggle and the ways that their stories get really buried underneath ours Mm. (laughs) and so that's uh, right go ahead no no I'm I'm listening I'm just like you know I'm like one of those kids that just like that cups their their face in between their hands and I'm just listening right now (laughs) (laughs) well I mean um from for instance my my father has a story that was so dynamic and my mother had a story that was so dynamic. But when I was growing up, seeing both of them try to navigate their lives, I could see where one of their voices was stronger than the other at different times. 
And what did I get as a kid was my mother's bold relentlessness. Mm-hmm. But what I got from my father as a kid was the ability to kind of stay cool <laughs> and keep going. But as an adult, I learned that his stay cool was really him trying to keep himself from imploding, you know? Mm-hmm. And my mother's bold relentlessness was her effort to try and keep herself from being erased. So, Ooh. wow. Yeah, both of their. Both of their journeys were uh, important, I think, in in developing the way I express myself. Mm-hmm. But as I became an adult, and I've, because I've been performing for so long, in terms of like my development, like right after I hit puberty, it was when I started to perform. Um, you know, right. to, to learn about the the craft of acting and all that um and so it's like you know that first puberty that you hit <laughs> when you're young you mean the now first I'm in a second you become puberty. really dramatic yes <laughs> all of that and I was already dramatic you know what I mean so that drama just went from it it, it went from an external expression of drama into and, and it went way more um internal and so I became more emotional like in touch with the Right. how to actually use them but yeah as an adult man i'm in the second puberty now and that's um mm-hmm. that brings its own revelation and, and you kind of go back and you look at how you saw things then and uh you start to be able to be more empathetic towards those characters like a mother and like a father like a sister like an auntie like a younger sibling or a, or a younger cousin uh, sometimes we don't know how to tell a story, uh, uh, to tell a, a character's story because we don't, we haven't empathized with them before. But mm-hmm. in this stage of my life, I'm able to see all those characters in my life so vividly now that I can tell the story of a mother, sister, auntie, teacher, postal worker, uh, a lawyer, you know, all these things, you know. Right. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm just in such a <laughs> such awe of you. I really am, because I think you're oh. a fantastic, a fantastic, fantabulous actress. And then just hearing you speak with the vigor and the passion that you have for acting, it it, it really it lights the fire in me for mm. for my acting career. It really does. Um, so why don't you tell me what your goals are as an actor? I think artistically and internally, my goals are connected to telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I can say that it's a goal is because people don't tell the truth. And so what I get to do when I'm given, you know, a character to, 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 to portray, what I get to do is find ways to tell the world their truth. But that takes me, Andrea, to be bold enough to be willing to, to see it, to see the truth, and then tell it. Because, like, we can acknowledge a truth about ourselves, but how long does it take us to actually share it or tell it? And so, when you journey through a character like Silver in Paradise Blue, you recognize that, you know, her, she knows a lot about who she is when you first see her, but now she's ready to begin a chapter in her life that she had been afraid to do and, and, and held back from doing. And that takes her, you know, coming to a place where she can tell a truth about herself that she hadn't before. And that's the, 
that's the the piece and I and I and I I feel like I'm cheating sometimes because I'm always able to uh I, I gravitate towards characters like that because I <laughs> it helps me to navigate a lot of things in my own personal, you know what I'm saying, uh-huh. journey and so um my goal is really connected to telling the story in its rawest form. Okay. In whatever form that play is written in, or whatever form that screenplay or that you know th- particular production is written, because there's a way you could tell the truth of a thing without necessarily breaking through the formula that's been given to you. Right. You know what I'm saying? I get that. I'm not changing lines. I'm not changing blocking. You know what I mean? I'm not moving the frame. I'm not telling the cameraman what to do. There's a truth that I can tell through my eyes, my breath, my presence, my energy. So. The goal is to get to that truth. Yeah, I mean that that as actors, that's that's all that we that we're made to do is to constantly tell the truth. Yeah, you know, and I think that was that was one of the biggest things that I saw in Paradise Blue, especially in the character Blue himself. Um, Silver hmm. really pulled the truth out of him that he he just was not willing to accept mm-hmm. and, and um <laughs> she really she really pulled out the truth of him in him that he was not able to accept and even even though uh one of his friends who could see the truth yeah but he he couldn't draw it out the way that silver could absolutely absolutely you know for those of you listening, I highly, highly recommend reading the play Paradise Blue. It's a beautiful story about Detroit's Black Bottom area and the gentrification going on in that area. It's a beautiful story. But yes, so continuing on with the questions, what what do you hope to achieve or what have you achieved as far as goals are concerned? Hmm. I think what I've achieved is the ability to sustainability. Really, I've I've um, I've, I've been in. I I started my acting training at SUNY Purchase College in two thousand, the fall of two thousand, when I was seventeen mm-hmm. years old, and I'm I'm still here, you know. And you you know I left Detroit at seventeen years old to mm-hmm. pursue an education. But that education was really focused and centered in acting. You know, I went, and hence the conservatory training is like having a double and a triple major. Um, and you have all this responsibility. But all of that was happening in the midst of me <laughs> being 17, 18, 19. You know, so it's, uh, um, you're, you're a person. Everything, anything you do is going to be affected by the, the your development, you know, and whatever it is that takes you down or, you know, you get too high, too low. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I've I've had some highs and I've had some lows, like real, real deep lows. And so the highs are really they don't get that high. They just it feels like <laughs> when you're in the middle, it feels like a high because you're just grateful to have some balance, you know. Mm-hmm. But man, as the years have gone on, and I have been in different stages of my own personal development. And then just trying to, you know, keep my head above water in New York, very expensive place, and to keep keep my wits about me. You know what I mean? There are so many different things that could have taken me out of the game, period, in terms of acting, you know, and I could be doing something 
else, but I, you know, Paradise Blue was uh, really a coming of age moment for me because it really showed me that um, you can live a whole lot of life and come into a moment like that and bring so much more to it uh, than you than you thought you could before. And that is just something that I'm grateful for, actually, to have achieved the ability to to stay in the game, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trying to sus- to sustain is is hard for an actor. It's really hard. Um, I was uh, like I was telling you when we spoke yesterday um, that I had two jobs, mm-hmm. you know, and then trying to do that on top of getting ready for a show at Detroit Repertory Theater right before the the pandemic hit. Um, Absolutely. You know, that, that, that's hard. It really is hard. So I, I definitely empathize with that. <laughs> um, I definitely, definitely yeah. empathize with that. And for me particularly, I really didn't start getting that hustle that I was doing until this year. Right. You know, so I, I definitely understand that. Yeah, the hustle is, the hustle is um, something that, you know, you, you, you got you to gotta develop it. You know, it, it's, it does not come naturally to you in terms of being an actor. Mm-hmm. You can hustle with other stuff, but it doesn't feel right at first to, to hustle as an actor. You you know, you don't really learn that part in school. You you learn your craft, you know, but when you come out, you're in, you're, you're a brand and you're mm-hmm. a business. And that part was the part that I just honestly had no clue about how to brand, how to I barely knew how to network. I mean, because I, I didn't like the energy of uh, selling myself or or um, or or becoming uh, some some industry standard or whatever. Um, so, yeah. man, I I I can definitely relate to that. Because mm. <laughs> for me, I could talk all day long about certain topics, but if you ask me to describe myself, I go completely silent radio mm-hmm. silence you know mm-hmm. um it's just it's just something that i've never really been that good at doing but i'm learning you know yeah we are all learning yep speaking of hustling um mm-hmm. <laughs> since we're talking about hustles um <laughs> is acting your full-time career or do you have um a second job yourself um when i first graduated from from school, I did, you know, everything, uh, just to pay rent, but, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, not everything, <laughs> but <laughs> everything that, you know what I'm saying? Within, uh, my own particular, you know, moral compass, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I, um, I, I'm an, I'm a, a teaching artist in addition to, um, being a, a stage and, and, on-screen performer and as a teaching artist it's it's literally the thing that I use as my practice every day a musician is going to practice uh, a good musician is going to practice every day and the fact that I get to do teaching artist work is for me uh, a twofold thing where for one thing I'm creating drama and I'm performing it and I'm doing it in front of really tough audiences like the school's uh, prisons, community um, programs, colleges, you name it. And as a teaching artist, we utilize the discipline of applied theater to 
address social issues that are happening, mm-hmm. whether that be bullying or uh, relationship issues. It could be um, anything from the, 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 the way that the social climate is. It could be uh, literacy, helping to enhance literacy. It could be to develop soft skills, uh, hard skills. Applied theater really is that tool that is used to help that, I think, start the conversation about um, how do we actually uh, address stuff and change things that we want to change about ourselves. And um, and so that I've been fortunate to do. I've been fortunate to uh, learn applied theater and use it. And it's a part of my real personal belief system. Um, I do truly believe in, in the in the power of live in, in interaction interaction when it comes to um, actually what we call helping. <laughs> I believe in, in that that engagement, that one-on-one engagement where you and that person or that group of people are addressing those things head on by looking at this character and seeing them struggle just like you and me. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and I've done that for you. And I've done that for, I've done that since 2006. So, mm. you know, as soon as I came out of school, you know, I had little jobs here and there in the midst of auditioning and doing shows, and, you know, just different things like that. I became a teaching artist. And uh, one of my mentors, uh, his name was Keith Johnston. He said that this was a part of my gift. Mm-hmm. You know, he believed that uh, in many respects, it was my ministry. And, you know, whether or not you subscribe to that particular, you know, verbiage with how you worship it. In, in, in terms of a ministry, it has been the thing that has been my greatest act of service. Because I do believe that what we do is an act of service and how we actually, you know, the, it, it's very effective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's been effective for me because I'm developing as an artist, but I'm also developing as a human being, becoming more aware of what's going on in the world. And therefore, I'm not in an in a isolated type of bubble where I'm just trying to get an acting job to show how talented I am. No, I'm interacting with the world and people to mm-hmm. be able to tell their stories more effectively. What kind of um, what kind of side jobs did you have while you were also working as a, you know, as a full-time actor and also a teaching artist? Like what kinds of jobs? Like, did you work in a restaurant? Did you? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I was a hostess, I was a server, I was a um I worked at a shoe store, I worked at a sneaker store in Soho down in uh New York, uh right near Chinatown. I um I think I walked some dogs, I fed some cats. Um <laughs> and I do not like that. <laughs> um oh god, I, 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 I babysat, I um you know, I did I actually did some work um, it seemed like I was always able to get some type of work or job. I did a cater, cater wedding. Is that, is that the right term? But it seemed like I was always able to get work from a group of people that were from Detroit. It's so many people from Detroit out here in New York. Oh, wow. And it was always this, like, oh, I got this. Oh, do you know about such and such? Oh, and did you know this and that and this and that? There was always that community that just came through for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and help me out. Get the little couple dollars to pay your rent. <laughs> hey, I mean, got to do what you got to do, you know. And especially mm-hmm. in an expensive city like New York City. Yes. 
that that's my dream place to live. I would love. Really? Yeah, Why? I uh, the first time I went to New York was in 2014, and I went there to to visit the city because I, me and a couple of friends, we were theater nuts, and you know I made the proposition like, hey, you know we're talking about theater. Why don't we go to the epicenter of theater? Let's go to New York. So we went there. I got the chance to see um, Aladdin on Broadway with the original cast, which was absolutely phenomenal. Um, Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we explored the city. I went back again, uh, I believe 2017 or 2016 or 17. And I went by myself and it was just going to be nothing but a theater trip. And I got the chance to see SpongeBob the Musical, which was absolutely adorable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But I also got the chance to see a one-woman show of Josephine Baker. And that oh. was mind-blowing. It was a beautiful mm-hmm. play. Beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. play. Um, And I wish that a play like that could be done done like here in in Detroit. Yeah, I would love to see something like That's that. That's what I was gonna say. It was a beautiful show. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I want to say it was in Soho. I can't remember which theater. It was probably the the Soho Theater. I think that's the name. Mm-hmm. But you, you, anyway, it was a gorgeous play. I got the chance to see like plenty of other musicals. I think in total, I saw about five different musicals um, and plays. Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, I did not train as a in, in musical theater in that mm-hmm. way. But one thing that that was a real interesting um, kind of shock, not culture shock, but it was just a. I did not think in, of theater in terms of musicals mm-hmm. at all um, because of my training. Um, the director that I worked with in high school, her name was Marilyn, Marilyn McCormick. She was so serious about our craft and we, we were taught to take it very seriously. And um, we did musicals, but it was always this focus on the acting, telling the story. And, you know, in that way, we did a lot of, of straight plays. And so when I came to New York, I was so ready to act. I was so, and then the, the my conservatory program, you know, was just also very much so focused on the, uh, the holistic, just the person, you know, the voice, the speech, the, you know, all the, all of the things that, that have you be able to stand on a stage and tell a whole story. So that was just like, I was like, wow. And and I do sing and and I move, you know, that they call it move when you, when you're not like a, a whole fierce, you know, Mm -hmm. dancer. So, you know, I, I, I sing and I move, but at the same time, I was just like, I, I just wasn't prepared for the competitive aspect of, of, of auditioning for musicals. And I really, I really was grateful and, and excited to see how theater had developed um, in Detroit because there's so many places to see good theater because there's so many talented, talented performers mm-hmm. in other cities. Um, and, and, and they all end up coming to New York. But I was just so happy to be able to do some good theater in Detroit, which is an incredible town in its own way, in its own right, different than any other place in the world. You know, just like New York is, but Detroit people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's a. I am just in love with that place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's totally different. It, it definitely is different. Um, like I, I, I do 
the the most work that I've done in a in a professional theater is at Detroit Rep, and um, huh. it feels like home. Yes, you know what I mean. Uh, I love theaters. I love working with theaters where it feels like home, where you feel comfortable, where you can be your one hundred percent self, and yes. where you can be this character and simply just yes. be. You know. That's not always the case in other cities. You know what I mean? Like when I was in Detroit, I genuinely was able to absorb inspiration at every turn Mm. and not just inspiration, but validation. And, you know, I don't think about validation that much because um, I'm from a, you know, it's, it was not homogenous totally, but it, you know, being from a, a black city and black culture, Right. You know, you come with all your blackness, you know, when you when you go different places. But then when it starts to be used to you feel energy in certain spaces where that is somehow a problem. You don't you don't know what it is at first. Right. You know, right. Until you go through this phase where you second guess and you feel the insecurities and you get filled up with all these things and you don't know what it is. until you go to a place where you do feel comfortable, you go, Oh wait, wow. That's what the difference is. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that there's been a shift in the way that the spaces have been, um, you know, taking care that they've been making a difference in how they take care of all performers, you know, Mm -hmm. of all different backgrounds and letting them be themselves in those spaces, as opposed to make this, you know, you got to, change the energy you know that's the thing about coming to new york you're like oh i gotta i gotta because i'm in new york now it's like no just figure out how to keep being yourself right you know what i mean yeah and i appreciate spaces like detroit rep and detroit public theater that make it a point to be diverse in their shows Mm -hmm. i i absolutely appreciate theaters that that go out of their way to make sure that uh particular groups are represented properly. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. While Detroit is moving very, very well in the theater scene, you know, prior to the pandemic, mm-hmm. there are still theaters where they're, they're not supporting their local marginalized actors. They're not mm-hmm. supporting them by, you know, like by intentionally reaching out to them and say like, hey, we need such and such an actor that's not white or cisgendered or a man. We need, mm-hmm. you know, we need that kind of, and some of them aren't just doing that, but theaters like Detroit Rep and Detroit Public, they're, they're putting their foot down like saying, hey, we need this show about Black Bottom. Hey, we need this show mm-hmm. about uh, um, folks within the LGBT community. We need these kind of shows because that reflects who the people are that comes to see our shows. And people anywhere, everywhere exist in intersection. And so the intersectionalities um, of those shows are in themselves a representation of the real community. You know what I mean? It's like, instead of seeing shows that when we look at them, we look at how we should be. We're looking at shows that actually reflect who we are. And that is just, I mean, it's just way less confusing to to see work and supporting those playwrights um, that are authentically, you know, they are really 
painstakingly making sure that we are hearing the authenticity of the people that they are writing about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, it's a, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for those spaces and we need to actually um, do more of that. But, you know, I'll keep showing up to do my work. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all that that entails, you know? <laughs> well, speaking of your work and uh, your work as a Black actress, tell me what it's like being a Black actress in a white male-dominated field. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because sometimes, you know, you're, I mean, I'm, I'm being a little risky in saying this, but sometimes because of how we range in complexion, as black women, mm-hmm. you're seen as not black enough Oof. when you're lighter skin. And that... <laughs> man, I yeah, resonate man, with that. Oof. Tough. So you can go in for certain things and be as, you know, black and and you, you, know, you know how black you are. Yeah. But you don't look black enough and this hair ain't doing something black enough. Ooh. And so they look and they say, oh, we need someone blacker. And Ooh. that is rough <laughs> because you can't change your, you know, you just, you just can't change any of that stuff. And like, they're like, literally, I was telling my best friend this uh, the other day where I went in for an audition and, you know, you, you, you have these wigs and all these looks as a black actor as a black actress and you go into these auditions and you are trying your best to like look the part or look the idea. Let's just Mm -hmm. say that look the idea and and do this archetype thing. Mm -hmm. So I went into this audition and I had this like natural style wig, like a, it wasn't really like a four B it was more like a, I don't know the numbers that well, but you know, <laughs> just go with me. So I had all this like curlier, you know what I'm saying? Like a kinky curly wig. And, um, and I have a short haircut that's always kind of go up to the back or just some type of little simple thing. And so I put it on like, okay, you know, I'm gonna give you this natural look and I'm, I'm doing air quotes, but you can't see me, but I'm doing like my whole hand air quotes. Right, right. But you know, I go in there and you know, the casting director is, is for a Netflix show and, you know, I go in there and I got this wig on and she couldn't really see my face. And uh, I pushed my, she was like, oh, can you, can you push your hair back? Cause I can't really see your face. And that's the other thing when you go into casting, you know, the casting is, is, is predominantly white people, white people. And you are, you know, it's, it's, it's no problem. And, and, and you're just hoping they can see you for who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you believe that, you, that, that, that they can see you for who you are and you do your best. But when I went in this particular woman, she was actually, she was, very gracious. She was like, would you mind moving your hair back? And I was like, uh, no problem. So I moved it back and I said, actually, I could take this whole thing off and you could see everything. <laughs> Girl, I took that wig off. And she was like, you know what? This is much better. This is fine. And I was like, I like it better too. So it's just like, you see that weird little intersection where I get into where it's like, do I look, is my hair natural enough? Is my skin dark enough? Um, am I going to be seen? A- am I your black woman that you want to hire? Mm-hmm. And do I represent what you know as blackness? Mm-hmm. And so I don't really, um, I don't consider myself to be political or not political. I consider myself to be who I am. However, you politicize what I look like and what I sound like is a whole different deal. Um, but I'm, but I'm going to bring, you know, the thing that I can bring. 
and I have tools in my tool basket. You know, I always taught that, you know, you, you use the tools you have, but you're not faking the funk. You're not pretending. So even when I do Shakespeare, I'm a whole black woman. You know what I'm saying? And I, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I feel more like a, uh, I have felt more like a black girl than I felt like a black woman. But in recent years, as I get closer to 40, um, I feel more like a black woman because I can resonate with more mature things. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's just interesting to uh, to think about that. And I, I actually, I think the white male dominance part is something that is felt in a way that it's like it reverberates. So it's more like they set the tone and the energy because n- no white male uh, person in the industry has ever said anything directly to me that felt like this or that. It's just sometimes, you know, the even even the the energy that is put out to you from women sometimes or even people of color, sometimes nobody knows what to do because it's just like the industry standard has been set. So to go against it is to like feel to feel like an uphill battle. You know, and so man, mm-hmm. being in the, like I said, and, and I've done regional theater in other states too, in other cities. And I think the hardest thing I've ever done, the 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 hardest thing that for me and being in a predominantly white space was a show that I did. I won't say what show it was, but mm-hmm. it was a it was a tour and man, I just it was it was like being thrown in a uh predominantly white space and it was so hard for me emotionally because it was just like they I don't know, it's just the energy was just really tough and I don't think that the cast was aware of how to support um you know, mm-hmm. people of uh, people of color, and everybody's young and kind of flipping and flopping through life, and so nobody really knew how to take care of that space, and so that's something that has to be done by the by the people that are doing the you know the producing and the directing and the this and the that to take care of those spaces before the performers come into it to set the tone. How are we going to do this? How are we going to approach this and that? Having those meetings in the beginning as an act of prevention, as opposed to, you know, uh, responsiveness, you know, I like being able to kind of cover stuff beforehand and, uh, and not have to do so much management throughout because it's, 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 uh, it's exhausting. Yeah. Doing that kind of stuff will, will, will get tiresome <laughs> after a long while. You oh, know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So have you ever had any challenges that you faced regarding um being a black woman and like like can you name a specific a specific moment where your blackness and your womanhood aside from the other example that you gave me Mm -hmm. can you think of a specific time where your your blackness and your womanhood was challenged in a white dominated space oh yeah um i was doing a show one time i i did not when you go in there and you to focus on the work you're just really not thinking about a lot of stuff and like and when you're really young too you know you got youth you got this you got that all these things that are in, in play but i remember being asked if i could sound less black Ugh. um and i and i and 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 they didn't use the word black they were saying could you sound less urban that's what the word was mm. and i was like it took me a minute and i was actually kind of upset with myself because when you're when you're kind of shocked by something you don't know how to react 
And, you know, mm-hmm. everybody has hashtags and everything now, and everybody can take up a fight right now. But I'm telling you, when you're in a moment like that, you're you're not aware of, of how to even respond to something. You just kind of be like, okay. You know what I mean? And that sounds... Right. That sounds real weak and feeble, and I don't consider myself to be like that at all. But I think, honestly, to be human, some of the strongest people in the world have those feelings where they're just like, damn, did you just really, like, <laughs> they get the wind knocked out of their sails. You know what I mean? And so right. that was a hindsight thing where I was just like, damn, that was crazy. <laughs> but in the moment, I wasn't, <laughs> like, protesting and writing letters. And I wasn't able to do that. I didn't know how. You were trying to get a job. Yeah, and I think I was just trying to figure out, you know, you give you give the benefit of the doubt and you wonder where the question is coming from. And and I think, you know, you spend a lot of time giving the benefit of the doubt. And, and you know what? Sometimes you need to make sure you lead with the right energy so that you're not always taking up a call. You know what I mean? So that you're not going in there and just like angry. You know, I, I, I worked hard to not be an angry black woman. Right. You know what I mean? I'm really just, I'm very chill, mostly, honestly, to be honest. Most people don't really get a chance to see that passion until I'm on stage because in my life, I'm super chill. So in a moment like that where I'm in rehearsal and, you know, you get approached by a, a, a creative to to pull back on a certain thing. I'm just I'm, I'm that my, my disposition is more like hmm, just like a curious thing more than more than I'm like be able to be uh, reactive. I just didn't know how I didn't know how. Right. I mean, shit like that g- catches you off guard. Like, what yeah, do you do? Yeah, you know? it really does. And when you're caught off guard, you're caught <laughs> off guard. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can't, it, it, like, it, I, I've been in situations like that too. And then you just got to look at the person like, like, really? Did, like, did you, did you just really do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. And then you have to do a lot of retroactive learning. Right. Yeah, and honestly, I I just want, I I want to do my work. That's right. all I want to do. Like honestly, I don't. I'm I'm somebody who in rehearsal most of the time I'm wearing a baseball cap, you know. And I'm just like that's my that's me just saying I'm under the radar because right. I just want to do my work. I just want to do my work. Um, so I don't really I don't really spend too much time talking about it. Actually, this is the most I've talked about it. But I have the thoughts. But I really my focus is the work. That's all I want to do. I hear you on that. Now, so then explain to me a time when you've worked with a diverse group of people. Um, I think I was doing, um, well, let me see, the, the most diverse group of people outside of teaching artists work, which is which is which can be very diverse and, and really interesting. I was doing a production with the Classical Theater of Harlem, and we had, they, they, they really pride themselves on, you know, working with, performers of color and to reflect to Harlem, you know, the community that's, that's in Harlem. Um, and so that, you know, we had a lot of black folks, a lot of um, women, especially because they do classical works, you know, sometimes you'll have, you know, women playing the male roles and, you know, you just obviously have your, your leading and your, your almost the, the entire cast really being of color. And so I remember there was uh we had a Asian American, um, and there was the diversity even within uh, amongst the, 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 the black folks, where you had um, someone from Sierra Leone. There was another person. Uh, there was Ghanaian. Um, so not all, you know, American. Um, and there were I mean, even in the costuming 
and the directorial folks, I mean, you just had backgrounds that were so vast. And then in New York, you know, you have, it's, it's very different in Detroit. In New York, it's way more clear the have and the have-nots. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a very clear line. But what I love is that the biggest differences you feel in New York are the economic differences. Uh, and those economic differences definitely point to like the social, all the other dynamics. But what I loved about working with them is that they were able to bring people from different backgrounds, even within the city. You know what I mean? Nice. So it wasn't just the folks that were considered but It was the folks that you just, they were underrated. and You didn't know about them. You know what I mean? You have mm-hmm. these brilliant, you know, folks coming out of parts of New York, whether it be like different boroughs or uh, different trainings or just, just all different backgrounds coming to tell a quote unquote classical story. You know, but, but Shakespeare, Shakespeare ain't nothing but a bunch of regular folks. You know what I'm saying? Just regular people <laughs> dealing with their own drama. <laughs> now, I will admit for me that I, I'm not very well versed in Shakespeare. So... <laughs> actually yeah. at all <laughs> you know well i've done i've done so much uh shakespeare and, and even a part of my training and then professionally and um mm-hmm. i have so much fun with it. you know i have so much fun with it because it gives me a chance to really just first of all dispel the myth that it's this thing that's above all of our heads and then just to like have fun with the language and then to do it with other people of color, that was just so fun. Mm-hmm. The only Shakespeare production that that I enjoyed watching still couldn't decipher 100% what the heck they were saying. <laughs> but it was, um, and I always mess up this title, it was at the, the public theater. Uh, Danielle Brooks was in it. It was oh, an yeah. all-black cast. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they 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 produced it at the public, and it it was shown on PBS. Oh gosh, I always forget the name. Mm. I'm sorry, I can't Mm-mm-mm. help you. <laughs> <laughs> but but it it was it was a it was a beautiful beautiful show. As as you like it. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was beautifully done. I appreciated it so much because not only was it told from the perspective of present day, mm-hmm. but just the the absolute jubilation in the entire production was absolutely beautiful. Mm. It was beautiful. First of all, it was beautiful seeing an entire cast of black actors <clears throat> doing Shakespeare. That's number one. Number two, the way they portrayed it on stage was, it was, it was very heartwarming and it was mm. beautifully done. Oh gosh. I like, I would just love to be a backstage hand in that production. That's funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it was just so beautiful. It was beautiful. So let me ask you this. How do you keep your, mental health in check Mm. uh, when you're dealing with situations in regards to you being a black woman and you coming across different hurdles. How do I deal with the mental health part? I think, I mean, yeah. (sighs) Cause I mean, a lot of that, a lot of that crap can take a huge mental toll on you, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. especially when you see it constantly. Well, you know, I, um, I learned a lot about myself when I was in that, that show I'm telling you about where it was predominantly a white space. And, and I, I 
because I had not existed in so much of like one type of people in a production I was it was it was a lesson for me um in how to protect my energy because I mm. would I would expend I would I would use a lot of energy trying to I don't know like figure out what was wrong but it wasn't it wasn't something that was wrong it was more like just acknowledging that you know wow that's this space it's, it's theater can be very corporate and very the energy can feel very um us and them sometimes and 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 it's not just theater that can be corporate any and everything can feel like that but I think because of that experience I really just made it up in my mind that I was going to be in spaces where I felt like I could really do my job do my work so I stopped going after jobs that was like me being this like this flexible you know black girl who could who could play white roles but you know as the black girl I just couldn't I I I, I, I stopped trying to do that you know sometimes we fight to, to play roles that that uh, you know white women usually play but I, I I didn't really see the sense in that so I just you know you know you wait for the work that feels good to you and so I don't really um engage in all of that you know fighting for stuff i want to do my work so when i show up and i and and the work that i do to affect change in that way is is very like apparent in the other other areas of my life you know like the teaching artist work and when i'm in conversation with people in the theater community um but when i'm when i go after a role or when i am sent in for a role i'm showing up there with the expectation that it's okay to be me and i i really move in that way and my fight my not my fight but my the way that I combat that is to maintain that um, that this is the way I'm going to work and this is the environment that I need and expect. And so when that doesn't happen, then there's a conversation. And if I can't have that conversation with, you know, someone, I have to I have to have it with somebody else. So I, I feel like I maintain my mental balance, my mental health through making sure that I'm not trying to be somewhere where I'm not well. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of at the heart of what it is. I also maintain my mental balance by by having a whole life um, as well. I'm, I don't spend you know my every waking moment trying to get a job. You know what I mean? Right. You know I'm from a, I'm you know, I'm from Detroit, so I ain't you know I'm not about to sit around here waiting on nothing. I'm gonna do what I got to do. You know. So <laughs> you know, in the midst of that, you know, in the midst of that, you 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 discover you discover parts of yourself. You know, you got a whole life going on in the midst of. Um, trying to get a role and and having a life is also uh the way that you mentally balance being a performer you know what i mean don't just have that one thing that one egg that you put in that one basket so i guess i I guess my 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 mental health uh taking care of my mental health is a little bit prevention and then a little bit of making sure i know where to go you know what i mean and then make sure i'm having conversations with um, the theater community and then the work that I do in the as as an applied theater artist. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that answer. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> now, tell me, what kind of advice do do you have for aspiring actors? Like, what kind of advice would you give to me? Because I'm I'm aspiring to be be you in my next life. <laughs> oh my god! Oh man! Uh, oh man! Listen, you you flattering me um but i genuinely am am excited about you know your journey and all the discoveries that are gonna come in this next year or so because man 
uh, we expected a lot of things to be a different way right now in 2020, but look where we are. Um, but you know, I ran into this sister. She's so dope. Um, uh, I, I, I can't talk about the show because it was, uh, delayed in its production because of the quarantine, but right. it was about to, um, be announced. And, um, I still maintain thankfully my position there. Um, but in the audition process, I came in contact with this young woman who was just working her butt off and I loved it because she was doing it with the energy of, look, I know who I am and I'm bringing myself to this table. And it was so dope because the, um, the play was written by a black woman, you know, and, uh, being directed by a black woman and you, you, you know, you felt the energy of, of not just familiarity, but you, you felt an embrace and, um, the way she went about her the audition process because it was a long audition process with a lot of callbacks. I just remember watching her and then and look if I'm if I'm thirty seven years old, this this young woman is about twenty three. Mm. And that's a significant difference, mm-hmm. you know. But I didn't feel there's no difference in our energy because uh, I have I'm, I'm I'm almost like a bouncing ball sometimes. I have a lot of energy. Um, and so me and her were just kind of going toe to toe. And at one point we got in there together because she was auditioning for a different role. And we ended up doing some stuff together. And I was just like, man, like, man, I just was on her head. Like, look, <laughs> you got it. You know, and it wasn't even me saying you got it from a place of I got it. And I recognize that you got it too. So no, it was more like uh, your energy, the way she came in there. And so my advice would be um, to do that work to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Do the work to know who you are. I mean, really, you being a dope artist is going to come as a result of you doing the work to be a dope person. Like, you know, to be a real person. And she came in there with all her energy of where she was from. You know, she came in there with the energy of being able to, to take the journey and take the ride. Mm-hmm. And so I, I loved it. And, and you know, I, I just admired her so much that I really, the advice that I would give is to, first of all, do your work, do the work, journal, get therapy, have tough conversations, and then go somewhere and sit down, take care of yourself. You know what I mean? Take care of your health, uh, walk, drink water, eat good. Uh, but then surround yourself with, with the kind of people that are going to, um, you know, support you, you know. Right. A friend of mine told told me, you know, that the five people you're around the most are the five people you become. Mm-hmm. And that is something that is true no matter what. And because of the energy, it's real. Yeah. So when you surround yourself with people that somehow they just can't get right, you you know, mm-hmm. my mother used to call a, a, a friend of mine, she just can't get right. This is a caller, can't get right. You know, because when somebody just can't get right, right, they can have the best of intentions and be the, the the sweetest and the nicest, or they can be somebody who feeds your ego in this way and that way. But man, when it comes down to it, you got to check your environment, look around you, and make sure that you're not having the life sucked out of your very being. You know what I mean? You can't even get up and, and, and take a walk around the block where you, you just got something holding you in this holding pattern. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think I think people being around the right people, doing that work, that personal work, and um, including therapy, and keeping your little body together in terms of your health, so you can have the energy to combat. Probably, I I just appreciate this talk. I really do. 
I really, really do. I, every single person yeah. so far that I've spoken with, had an interview with, I appreciate every single one of these because it's just like, it, it feels like even though I'm an artist myself, it opens that door even further for me and I'm able to see and empathize or or experience what they have experienced, what you all have experienced. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm so grateful of the different people that I've spoken to already. Absolutely. So last last thing, uh, mm-hmm. and this is this is what I call the Queen's request. Okay. The Queen's request. The Queen's okay. request. So I would like for you to tell me one or two black women in Michigan that that's part of any artistic genre, whether it be singing or dancing, acting, whatever, that we should be keeping an eye out for. Ooh, I like this question. Do they need to be living in Detroit or Michigan right now? If they have before, that's cool. If they're not, that's cool too. I try to concentrate it on Michigan just because I'm in Michigan. But uh, if you have folks that are in New York, please, by all means. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, well, they're from Detroit, De- from Detroit. That's why. Born and raised in Detroit. Um, and just give me a second. Maybe I can think of someone that is currently there as well, because I have I have so much respect for the, the women that I encountered mm-hmm. as a kid, went to school with, that stayed there, ones that, you know, kind of went to school somewhere else and came back. You know, I know a lot of educators and I know a lot of uh, folks in the in the maths and sciences um but but in but in the artist community i cannot think of any I, the, the person that came to my mind first mm-hmm. doesn't live there anymore but was born and raised there with me actually um but her name is goldie patrick goldie patrick um is a poet she is a playwright she is a director she is a supporter of all things connected to black girls and black women she is a she's a griot she's a she's a storyteller she's the epitome of a storyteller and i have had the pleasure being directed by her working alongside with her and she was our director for paradise blue and that was her regional directorial debut mm. um and i was so excited uh to be a part of that for her um and and, and she the, the the way that she led that rehearsal process was like taking a master class mm. because she set the tone of every day with having us bring in the bringing in an ancestor someone that got us to where we were in that Ooh. moment but also to bring them into the room to help us tell the story and that i'm telling you and then and then she would let that energy be what it is and leave it there for us to consume as we as, mm-hmm. as we felt led to it's like laying out a, a tray of food you know what i mean and she would literally lay set these tables for us wow and 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 offer us food to eat when we were hungry God. That's what it was like being in her rehearsal class. <laughs> that sounds magical. Yeah. She is magical and mm-hmm. and she believes in her magic and so I right. believe it too. You know what I mean? It's like I'm going I'm I'm rocking with you. Um and so and so I was I was grateful and I I just think that she has uh, so many brilliant brilliant things up her sleeve and she is definitely somebody to watch and she's like a Detroit mm-hmm. she is like a Detroit daughter like no other. And I think it's just so important to to make note of how important it is to have black directors producing black shows. Yeah, like exactly. That's yes. so important. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like I don't get that. Like I, honestly, I just, I, it's, it's, I, I don't know. 
honestly, I have seen black shows directed by like all white teens. And I'm like, yep. wait, what? Like what's, wait a minute. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah. So <laughs> it's cool, but it's like, it, it's like, I mean, I'm saying it's cool, but it's not, but it's like, why weren't we thinking of, of inviting people to the table who can inform things? You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, um, one of the things, Simone Missick, I love her. She, um, she actually did Paradise Blue at the Signature Theater in New York, and she's currently on All Rise, um, and she's done a lot of other great work. She is so funny because we were having a conversation about black hair. And she was just like, listen, I am tired of doing shows where there is no one on set that can do black hair. And I was like, and she said it in a room full of black actresses, and we were like, oh my God, everybody just like started going Right. chimed in yeah because we were just so yep. like oh my god somebody said it out loud and um <laughs> I, and you know what was so phenomenal about working at Detroit Public <laughs> De- Goldie was so intent on us making sure that this hair was right because you know Detroit girls listen you know what I mean like this right. hair has to be together but um we we were uh in, in doing the wigging and everything we were able to bring in uh, a hair designer Nakia Mathis you know and she, mm. she's she's from Jersey but she's done so much for us in terms of making sure that our hair could be right and we could tell these stories without looking crazy you know what I mean it's just something like that about having somebody in the hair and wig department who is of color if you are working with black hair you know what I mean yeah oh yeah you got black bodies black hair black energy get some black folks on the creative team you know right I did a um I did a performance of Ain't Misbehaving at the mm. Jet Theater. And that was so much fun. I, I absolutely loved my cast and my crew. But the funny thing is, is that that was the first time that I ever got the chance to work with an all black cast. Mm-hmm. Now the, the crew, the crew was white, but that was mm-hmm. the first time that I ever got the chance to work with an all black cast and the energy was completely different. Completely different from any of the majority white casts that I've ever been on. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, you just, you, when, when you talk, when we were talking, getting ready with each other, it was a completely different vibe, you know? And mm-hmm. it was just, it was almost, <laughs> it almost seemed like we were from a completely different world than what the crew was. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And- you know, and it's nothing against the crew at all because the crew was absolutely phenomenal. They that was the that was the other best part about it. We had a phenomenal crew that listened to us. That's amazing. Yeah. They listened yeah. to us. Yeah, that's and the that's so yeah. that's so important. It's so important it's when you have a predominantly white space that listens to a crew that's either all or predominantly black. You're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. You're doing the right thing. That's right. That's right. And I, I think people are growing now accustomed to coming into the space with an open, with an open um, mind and an open, just an open mind about learning about what, what we don't know about each other, but also coming in with the spirit of you tell me your story as opposed to this is the story that we're going to tell. Whether that be anybody, creative, production team, crew, all of it matters, you know, and so... The fights that we have to fight are small, at a, they're, 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 they're tiny ones at a time, but they actually make a difference when you're working with theater companies 
that, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to work in theater companies that are all, you know, black or all whatever. And, and you know, the point is to not have it be all, but it, the point is to be able to come in and have everybody feel like they can be themselves. You know what I mean? Like, I love working in Detroit because, you know, I was able to work with like people who, you know, from different communities in Detroit. Like, you know, we have a huge Arab community, you mm-hmm. know, in Detroit. And I love being able to work with stage management that, you know what I mean? We're coming from the Arab community. Like that, that was a huge part of, of us growing up. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's who we were, you know, that's who we were rolling with a lot of times, you know what I mean? And it was just nice to be able to have that just Arab American and women in the space with us hearing our story and, and supporting our story. And then it just, I mean, I, I, I left this. I can't wait to come and see your work. I can't wait to come and hear more about the stories of Arab, of, of, of Arab, Arab Americans. Um, but then, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, again, the, we had um, Chinese Americans there. Um, we had, we had people from the LGBTQ community. We had, you know, black men, you know, just, just able to, to give voice to, to what they were involved in. And then, you know, the people that were not of color, you know, the white folks were, were really supportive. And I was just like, come on, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I I'm with that. Let's, let's, let's right. just all be able to come in and collaborate. And that's something that I learned a lot from the people that I worked with over the years, you know, Dominic Maruso, she's a big believer in collaborative work. And even as a playwright and as an actor, she's such a phenomenal actress, you know, to watch her work and to see her process, you know how important it is to collaborate. And, and you and you start to prioritize collaboration over being um, acknowledged as the whatever. You just come to collaborate and you come to do your work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now you mentioned... Um... Goldie, was there anyone else that you wanted to uh, to mention? Oh, not not living there right now, but okay. Angela Burchett, uh, she is an, an an actress, a singer, and she has she has actually uh, her sisters that are in Detroit right now are the ones that oof, you definitely got to look out for them. They um they're collectively they're called A plus. They are all Burchett girls they um anisha burchett and antea burchett they are detroit based and they are singer songwriters producers and they are simply like they are literally phenomenal like they uh i think they initially were started working with Rodney jerkins and then as they've gone on they've they've written and produced music that you love you know what i mean like they've they've done work with chris brown they've they recently um won in uh i think they were on the Grammy team with her for her recent album, maybe last year, they Antea, which is part of their 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 group, they're collectively A plus. But Antea Burchett, um, she is a master vocal coach and um, has done so many um, phenomenal projects. And I think currently she's the vocal coach on the the show that History Channel is doing about right. Rita Franklin. Okay, and um, yeah, and um, Anisha. Um, like I said, she has been on the writing and production team for countless uh, folks, and and they they work together in the, in those efforts. And you know, Anisha is first of all, she's just she is one of the most skillful singers I've ever heard. Uh, her ear and her uh, finesse as a producer is just it, it it's 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 unheard of. Like, right. and these are are these are Detroit girls doing it 
And so all three of them, Angela is their sister who has been in New York, but you know, Detroit raised just like them. And she has a new film that just came out called the Clark sisters. Mm -hmm. And the Clark sisters film was done by lifetime. And it was, it has literally become one of the highest ranking TV dramas or, uh, either on lifetime or i can't i can't even remember like the highest ranking what but i know that that they've had over 11 million views and and mm-hmm. and the, the numbers have climbed that was like over a month ago but just the three of those those women right there angela burchett anisha burchett and taya burchett goldie patrick mm-hmm. you 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 haven't heard a whole 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 lot but you about to hear a whole 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 lot and, right um i'm excited <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for them. Well, I, you know, I've I, I've really enjoyed this talk with you today. You you, gosh, I can't uh-huh. I can't gush about you enough. <laughs> oh man, this this was a really great talk. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. I, I truly appreciate you. I appreciate the work. I appreciate this conversation, and I want you to keep being you. Oh, thank you. Yes. That is the best thing anybody can say to me. Keep being you. Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate all your time and energy and and what you're doing. What you're doing is, uh, that's that's God's work. And I'm just like, yes, keep giving space. Keep asking questions that make us kind of like deer in headlights and then come with an answer. Because I'm going to keep thinking about this. I know when this is over. So thank you for that space. Thank you so much. Thank you.